On today's show, we'll talk about a new dining survey, share updates on openings, closings, and movings, plus culinary calendar items. And we're also going to talk about grilling tips for the summer. It's all coming up on the Seattle Dining Show. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Revolve True Food and Wine Bar in Bothell, where a passion for wellness, wonderful food, and good wine infuses everything they do. All menu items are free of gluten, grains, preservatives, trans fats, GMO, and soy. Enjoy wild seafood, organic farm fresh eggs, and seasonal organic produce. Find them at RevolveFoodWine.com. Hello everyone, this is Wayne Johnson from Fair Start. I am here to welcome you to the Seattle Dining Show. Coming to you live at the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to the June Seattle Dining Show, number 1906. It is halfway through the year. Good God. I'm Connie Adams, senior editor, and I'm here with Tom Marin, publisher and owner of Seattle Dining. I'm still wearing my down booties. Nonsense. But thank God the long underwear came off, at least. (laughs) So this month, I thought we could talk about a recent survey that has come out. It was done by a company called Fourth. And it's a company that provides restaurant customers cloud-based help on operations, cost management, forecasting software. So they put this survey out, and I do not know who they did it to. You know, this is America. Um, So I don't know who answered, so it's it's a little hard to say exactly. But um, obviously people who dine out, and they wanted to get information to give back to their restaurant customers. And they... Uh, shared a few highlights that I thought we could discuss today. Does that sound good? Yeah. Um, First of all, they broke the country into regions, and we're in the West region, but keep in mind that includes Alaska, California, Colorado, Hawaii, Idaho, Montana, Nevada, Oregon, Utah, Washington, and Wyoming. But not B.C. Not B.C. No, this is America. Okay. Yes, Um, it is. Yes, it it is. (coughs) And we're proud of it, and it's Memorial Day. Um. So some the first highlight that they talked about was that Americans in the West, keeping in mind that's like 11 states or something, spend an average of $71.82 per week ordering food from a restaurant for themselves. That includes eating at a restaurant, grabbing food to go, and delivery. That makes a little more sense to me that it includes all that because if we go out for one dinner, and mind you, we have cocktails, mm-hmm. it's never under 100 bucks. Mm-hmm. That's one meal. And they're saying 71 per week. We're a little different from most people. Yeah, very different, actually. (laughs) Um, But also this includes food to go, like grab and go. So Mm -hmm. you could easily have a whole meal for $20 doing that. So, Um, Also, according to the survey, men spend more per week eating out, $82, than women, 69. And I thought that wasn't any big surprise because, first of all, that's about the difference – between what men make and women make in a job. Um, And also, women are probably more likely to go home and put something together there where a guy might not. 
Okay, but if the average is 7182 and the men are 82 and the women are 69, that tells me more women are eating out. Interesting. I wonder if that includes women who are buying for their family, you know, stopping on the way home from work and grabbing oh, that could be, pizza yeah. or something. Uh-huh. I don't know. Interesting. This is why you should get the whole survey because you never really know. Um, most respondents earn between forty and fifty thousand. The the respondents that earn between forty and fifty thousand spend the most money eating out. They average one hundred and seventeen eighty two per week. And I thought that might have to do with because they're the ones taking care of kids and parents because they're you know uh-huh. that age, and both spouses work, and one of them may even have two jobs if they're in the food industry or something. Yeah. So that kind of makes sense to me. If you have a ton of money, you've probably got somebody in the kitchen cooking for you. You're not eating out all the time. And if you are eating out, your company's probably paying for it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, they don't tell us if they're counting when the company <clears throat> pays for my meal. Yeah. Which is me. I was going to say, in our case, we <laughs> our company pays for all our meals. Um, 65%. Of restaurant patrons eat out at least two to three times per week, with 10% citing they eat out every day. That'd be me. Yeah. Because even if we eat at home in the evening, we're probably out at lunch. Mm-hmm. You know. And I only want to cook at home so much. I don't want to make three meals a day at home. I know. Part of it's time, too. I mean, you really enjoy cooking. But part of it is if you're working. I mean, you may be home, but you're working. And it's a... A lot of time spent on preparation and shopping, and and then cleaning up. Especially exactly. if you uh, if you slow cook with on the grill with indirect grilling, it takes a while to clean up all the uh, oh, apparatus. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And uh, for me, I clean up all the time because I have two cats who could not possibly leave a dirty pan alone. Right. You actually are able to stack in your dish in your sink and do it one time a day, maybe. Yep. But you have a cat who respects that. Or it's just too old and fat to get up on the counter anymore. <laughs> I don't know. She's here and she can hear you. Well, actually, she's <laughs> she deaf, can't so hear she can't. <laughs> Go ahead. You can say what you want. <laughs> Let's see. Um, I thought this was kind of interesting, too. The top three most important factors when selecting a restaurant to go to are food quality, 61%, good service, 55%, and menu variety, 39%. Now, you and I have talked about the variety before because there are times in both our neighborhoods where we just want to go to some place that we're familiar with and it's relaxing for us and comfortable. We don't want to be working. Mm-hmm. You know, if we go to someplace new, we're always thinking, do we, does that go on the, in the, um, on the site for a restaurant directory or do we want to write this up? Could this oh, be yeah. a story? You know, it's nice to just go someplace. But consequently, if you do that, and they don't change their menu very often or don't have specials, it can get a little boring. Uh-huh. And then and then I start doing stuff like ordering like Kung Pao chicken with no vegetables. Yes. You know, I'm just trying to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Um, I, how do you feel on the food quality good service thing? Would you go back if someplace had great food but you the service just sucked? Would you keep going back for that great food? Or does it have to, or is the, or would you go to someplace with okay food if the service was great? I I 
always go back to the place with the better quality food mm-hmm. and put up with a service or file a complaint if I'm going to be a regular customer there. Yeah, and if it's that bad. Because it can change that. You can change bad service easier than you can then people are willing to change food quality. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Um, here's another one about uh, tipping. If you're going to tip, what's the most important reason you would tip well? So friendly and pleasant demeanor, attentiveness of the server, accuracy of the order. And one of the things All that I... All of the above. Yeah. The other thing I thought was funny that was that the survey says good service is now expected. It's like, hello. Uh, it should I, always be expected. I give you a buck for each one. <laughs> and, uh, if I give you a $3 tip, you know you did good for me. <laughs> I don't care if the, if the meal was $117.82. <laughs> you know what? It's probably good that people don't know our faces, know that we're Seattle dining. <laughs> be, oh, my God, he's going to give three bucks again. Um, yeah, and the attentiveness thing, that factor is really one of those things that makes a difference, can totally make a difference in your experience. Mm-hmm. And it's why when somebody's a really good server, you appreciate them so much because they know when they need to be attentive mm-hmm. and they know when they're interrupting, you know, and they're able to give you a nice evening's experience or a nice afternoon's experience. In that balanced way. Yeah. <clears throat> um, one of the biggest frustrations of people when they eat out at a restaurant is that they're not satisfied with the quality or taste of food, 41%. I hear you. Yeah. I'm in that 41%. You're probably 61. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm about 90% of the places that I eat at. I'm not yeah. impressed with the quality of the food. And... Um, and that's another thing. Sometimes restaurant food just tastes so good, but it's because it's heavy on the fat, heavy on the salt, all the things that make it taste so mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Um, not good for you, particularly. Right. And again, we're different because we eat out a lot. Right. Um, another dissatisfaction was it was taking too long to get my order. And that's another one that is uh, kind of iffy to me because if you go out, if we go out and we're having one of those fun nights where we're just blah, 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 can't talk enough to each other, yeah, it could take forever for the food to come and I wouldn't really care. Well, unless I, would. I usually do realize after 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 minutes yeah. that, oh, yeah, hey, that what's going on here? Yeah, if it's that long. And then, and, and then, you know, that changes the mood of the night, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And also, I mean, I'm okay if we're having one of those nights and then the server comes over and says, I am so sorry, it's taking so long. Bah, 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 bah. We're going to, we're, you're like next, you know, or something. And then you know what's happening. As opposed to, I think they're just forgot about us. I remember the night that happened in Bellevue and uh, somebody never got their food at all. Oh, yes. They brought all the food <laughs> and the one person was sitting there without anything. Yeah. That was a bad experience. It was a bad night. And also, it was right after that person had lost their spouse. Mm, right. It was one of the first times going out again, and then to be totally ignored did not feel good. Yeah. Here's another thing I thought was, I think this is um, not viable to me. America as a whole, the country as a whole, chose Gordon Ramsay as their favorite celebrity chef. I don't know who he is. You know, that's the thing. 
I he, he's he's famous. He's on TV all the. He's got the junior chefs and the chefs shows. shows. I know. I don't know who he is. And he he does that show about um. Shoot, I can't remember the name of it because I never watch it. But he goes into a place like Thirsty Fish, fixes it up, and fixes it up. Okay. Um, and he's so mean, you know. That's part of the persona thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think people pick these because they're it's names they hear as opposed to liking somebody so much or thinking he's a great chef. In the West, he was beat out by Anthony Bourdain. Who has passed away? Right. So, but I you mean, can still see all his TV shows. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Um, and Emeril, which this kind of makes me sad. Emeril was top of the pick. He was the top guy for everyone over fifty-five years old. Huh. So. So go get some of his cookware while you're at it. <laughs> <laughs> Bam. Um. People discover new restaurants from friends, 59%, and social media, 46%. Now, I get that you've got to have a good line, good online reputation, mm -hmm. um, but, but I don't like it. There's so many cranky people out there just saying what they will. They're just mad about something, so they nail a restaurant about it, or you know, they didn't like one thing, so they hated everything. I don't know. And, and I think... They must have something better to do than spend their time on social media ranking restaurants. Okay, so this is an, an accumulation. This is 59% of them said friends and, and 46% of them checkmarked social media. Right. But they could have checkmarked both because a, a 59 and 46 is 105. Yeah. So that yeah, that's true. wouldn't be accurate if it was one or the other. Yeah. That had me terrified for a moment there because it told me that 40 <laughs> – that no percent were reading magazines and <laughs> yeah, exactly. looking at ads in the airline yeah. publications. And, and you know stuff. that all has a an effect. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then the last thing they mentioned, which was no surprise, is that third-party delivery is on the rise. But it, it's another thing that makes me a little bit sad. Obviously, a lot of people are still going out, and some of the reasons they go out that we didn't talk about were that um, they want to socialize, or it's an, a special event or something. Mm -hmm. But the fact that so much delivery is on the rise, it's like, is anyone socializing anymore? They just work all day and then stay on their phones, and then they go home and have somebody deliver food. Well, and this is going to turn into a health problem for the country, yeah. because a lot of the people who are getting the delivery are younger people. Uh, so, like in Seattle, you've got all these people who've been working all day at Amazon, and it took them an hour to get home from downtown to Ballard, and now they're just going to call in for some delivery. Yep. And they're even, you know, they're building, they've been doing this in New York for, for a few decades, but now they're building condos that have no... Oh, kitchens? Yeah, no kitchen. Yeah. So, uh, and this is all going to come home to roost later on with healthcare. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. When I was looking for the condo I'm in now, I'm not even going to tell you how many years ago that was, but a lot, I was looking downtown as well as on Queen Anne. And my real estate agent would call and say, hey, can you come down and see this condo right downtown? And it was always right in the middle of the day, and I worked an office job. I was like, uh, no, I can be there by 5.30, and uh, they would be gone. It was a hot market. Mm -hmm. And as it turned out, when, when we were looking at other places that I liked, he'd say, you know, I don't think you're going to be all that happy with what's available downtown because most of them have almost no kitchens. Yeah. Because the theory is anyone right downtown 
isn't really entertaining or cooking a lot. And that was so long ago, it's it's turned, and a lot of places have beautiful kitchens, you know, with all the stainless steel appliances, and now it's going back. The pendulum's swinging again to yeah. people who aren't cooking. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, it's going to, you know, because... Like I say, you know, if I go out to eat, I'm looking for quality in food, and I'm I'm very different from most people because I'm trying to find organic stuff and trying to find good food, mm-hmm. which I can't. So yeah. I I actually end up eating out less than I used to, because the only way I'm going to be able to eat healthy is to eat at home. Mm-hmm. So it didn't help the the dining industry there, but yeah. I'm trying, you know. Well, and part of the frustration with trying to eat organic is that you can go to places that maybe have grass fed. Burgers, you know, so you can get a burger that's grass-fed, but you don't know. You're not going to get an organic bun on or, top of or that. Or you're not going to get organic produce, maybe, so your tomato or your lettuce. Or yeah. so, so it's kind of, you know. Kind of doesn't really, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just, it's not the, the, you're not getting the full meal deal. Yeah, you know? yeah. But you still got to go out because we love it. So uh, speaking of going out, where have you been going out to eat lately? Um. We had a very nice, you and I, um, experience at Spark Pizza in Redmond. Um, these are the people who own Woodblock as well. And Yeah, know, they were on a show last month. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went out and tried the pizza, which I thought they had some really interesting pizzas. I mm-hmm. thought they were very good. I liked the crust, which is more kind of Neapolitan thin with some blistering on it. Um, they've got a nice outdoor deck. Um, the owners are knowledgeable. The chefs are great. I, I've, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I'd go back there again. Yeah. And there are some pretty cool um, pizza combinations that they're doing. Yeah, so. they are. <clears throat> and then um, I went to Koku, which is on top of Queen Anne. It took over the Cedarburg Tea House oh, space. Yeah. And they had some pretty tasty bowls, um, pork belly something. And it was some things that I thought... I could be a little iffy on this, but actually, all together, it was quite good. Hmm. They had some pickled kimchi, and I had that on the side, because I was not sure I was going to enjoy that. Um, and I think I was glad I did that. I put a little bit in, and that was enough for me. Mm-hmm. It added a little zing to it, but it wasn't overdone. But I would go back and try some of their other items now that I know the bowls were pretty good, too. Yeah. And then Shug's, Shug, Shug's I think it's Shug's. Is the ice cream place? It's supposed to be like sugar, probably. Yeah, Shugs. sugar. Um, we tried their stuff at the T-Mobile Park. Oh yeah, thing this year. Um, and it's funny the ice cream is really good. That the staff was really happy and friendly. They were, you know, teasing each other. They were interacting with the guests. They were very nice. Good ice cream. Good Sundays. But I found the space kind of odd. It's supposed to be like an old time soda shop. Mm-hmm. And and it is in terms of the the seats, the round seats at the counter. Did you, you, did you feel like you were in Ferrell's? No. Ferrell's was way more comfortable. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The the seats are permanent, you know, that you can't move them around at the counter. Oh, okay. But they were way too far back. I was having to oh. really lean forward to eat and it's just kind of an odd space. Maybe you're supposed to order the extra large Sunday, and then you don't have to lean yeah, back so far. I'll, I'll grow into the seat and yeah. the counter. That's probably what the plan is. <laughs> Ask for a longer straw. <laughs> and make sure it doesn't wind up in a turtle's nose. <laughs> make sure it's not plastic. So that's my story. Where have you been? Uh, well, we went down to Tacoma for the that's grand right. opening of Crisp 
Greens and uh, Corey and her husband have done a nice job putting together their shop. Uh, it's all salad bowls. And grain um, bowls. Grain bowls, yeah. So there's like a, a steak one and a, a Mexican one and a uh, I don't know. There's Chicken a, and turkey. Yeah, and and I think they're changing them up all the time, aren't they? Yeah. And you can go and request your that. own. Um, I, I, I got to say, the greens were really crisp. Seriously, it's named Crisp Greens, and they were really crisp. Really crispy. It was good. Perfect crunch on them. Yeah. Um, what, what – I go back to what we were talking about before. What what I'm looking for is for all those ingredients to be organic, yeah. and it's not happening. And there, so you can buy any bowl you want, and then it's eight ninety nine, right? Uh, nine, I guess it was eight ninety nine. Eight ninety nine, yeah. and that's a, a buck more or the same price as what is it? Evergreen. Evergreens is. You know what? They're nine ninety nine because Evergreens is nine. I think. Okay. Okay. So right. I don't know. You know, if you if you offered everything to me in organic, I'd pay an extra buck or two. Yeah, but and of course they're saying it would cost way more than that, or at least Evergreen said that. Uh, we didn't talk to Corey about that. Anyways, but yeah. So that's what was missing. And it um, would be nice if they had that option. All of them. None of them. That's what do. I mean. If I had the option yeah. to spend the extra two bucks. Yeah. So uh, I thought maybe the the protein was a little light. I, 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 it didn't really last me all afternoon. Mm. Um, so maybe a little more protein. And but you know I could order extra protein. Yeah, and the other thing too was that I had steak on mine, and I thought there was quite a bit of it. So I wonder if it was the the salad, like when they put it to, together. Maybe they did yours on the spot because they didn't have one made up. Right. And mine was already made up, so maybe the person in the back didn't do the normal thing. I mean, they had just opened. Yeah. I don't know, because I, I know. thought there was lots of steak. But if you're down in the Tacoma area, it's it's worth uh, dropping in and trying them out once at least and, and see if few. you like them. And they, they got, you know, all the stuff is to go, and you can drive up and pick up your stuff and drive away and yeah. feel better that you're eating something a little healthier. Yeah, than, at least you're not eating a total fat bomb or something. Yeah. And, and there are seats inside. There's maybe what? 20, right. 20 seats inside, 15, mm-hmm. 20. So. And the other place that we went to um, was Pono Ranch. Yeah, We'd never, never been down there before. Uh, they had a Sunday afternoon concert. Yeah. That was nice. Um, it's like 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock on Sunday. And, and it's like Americana concert every week right now. Um, but I got to say, food-wise, no, nah, that's not happening. That's yeah. just all a bunch of uh, American dreck, you yeah. know, fried stuff here, and the the chicken wings that are really small and greasy. And yeah. it's, 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 You're not a chicken wing fan, anyway. Well, you know, if I made them myself, yeah, I'd, I'd blow the competition away, <laughs> and no one would ever taste them because no one would pay the money. Um, yeah, I had a burger, and I for some reason I thought I had looked online and it was grass-fed beef. But when we got there, it said natural beef, oh. which, of course, is meaningless. Yep. Um, That's meaningless. So I'd have to check on that again because I was all excited about that, and I was in the mood for a burger. And I thought it was, it, it you know, like so many places, it tasted good. Mm-hmm. It, it's not that it was a bad burger. 
Um, I thought it was silly that you had to – there was no no uh, service. You had to go to the bar. Yeah. You had to stand in line and order your drink. Then when you were ready to eat, you had to go back to the bar and stand in line and order your food. Yeah. Then if you wanted another drink, you had to go back to the bar and stand in the line. And then when it was time to pay, you had to stand in the line. And I said, no, maybe they brought – yeah, they brought us a check. But anyways, I mean, what am I supposed yeah. to tip on that? I'm the one standing in line yeah. three times. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that's happening service-wise is someone made a, made a drink for me and someone brought food to my table. And they did clear. They took the dirty dishes away. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. But but I you know the fact that it's like it's like going to the bank three times in one day. Yeah, you know it's a funny thing that that kind of <laughs> counter service you find. I mean, the first time I really saw it was in Australia. Um, it's it's not abnormal, and it's you see it more here now than you ever did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what what works when it works is when you go up and you say, "Hey, I'm going to have a burger and a beer." I'm paying for it. Thanks very much, and they bring it to your table, and that's it. Unless you want another drink or something. And Australia is a country where you don't tip. Yeah. So yeah. that all works out. But um, my point is, it doesn't work out if you're there, like for a concert, and you're staying there for a little yeah, while, and you're going to have another. In the middle you know, of a song it was kind of weird. Yeah. Anyways, um, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we've got the news bites. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Ethan Stoll Restaurants. Fresh ingredients. Let's the food do the talking. From house-made pasta to ribeye for two. Find them at www.ethanstollrestaurants.com. Hi, my name's Alan. I live on Lower Queen Anne, and some of my favorite restaurants are Canlis and Toulouse Petite. Hi, this is Brock from the Dahlia Lounge, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. We are back on the June 2019 Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Marin, the publisher, and I'm here with our senior editor, Connie Adams, and we've got some news bites for you. Yeah, and you know, we add things to the news bites column all the time, so you just go out to seattledining.com backslash news bites, and you can catch up with what's going on. Hey, remember when Cafe Vita opened in New York and Beecher's opened in New York? Uh-huh. Ethan Stoll Restaurants is opening a place called Wolf, which is basically based on how to cook a wolf on Queen Anne, in the Nordstrom's in Manhattan. Huh, so they finally learned how to cook a wolf, and now they're going to open up a wolf (laughs) in New York. Because only New Yorkers will actually eat a wolf. In the Nordstrom's. Yeah. Interesting, huh? That's going to be interesting. I bet they'll have a really heavy-duty bar scene. Oh. Well, actually, ever since Nordstrom added that bar, I think, you know, a lot of people in Seattle sit at that bar, too. Oh, well, they got the E-Bar at Northgate, but that's a coffee thing. Yeah, there's actually a bar downtown. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Pike, Show you how much I go downtown now. Huh? Yeah, you have been a downtown guy for a number of years. Ever <laughs> since the GPS got stolen out of your car, you've never forgiven them. Um, Pike Brewing, Pike Brewery Beer Garden 
uh, is coming back for a second year. They put it in the Pikes production space on, on Post Alley. So from May 25th through September 1st, that's going to be open on weekends, Saturdays 12 to 8 and Sundays 12 to 6. This year they're adding live music on Saturdays from 5 to 7, and they've got an exclusive beer garden menu. See, and I like that, live music, 5 to 7. I like those early shows. I don't yeah. want to go out to a, a 8 o'clock show that ends at midnight. Yeah. You, know? uh, you, the man who spent all his early life in the music business going out and staying out all night. I've done enough of that. <laughs> and you're an old geezer. <laughs> now I want my music in the afternoon. <laughs> an early dinner, and then it's over. And I deserve it, doggone it. <laughs> So Fonte Coffee Roaster owner Paul Odom has purchased the six Uptown Espresso locations. The Uptown's owner, Dow Lucarell, um, was ill, and he Paul was managing them, uh-huh. and he uh, Dow passed away. So um, Paul has purchased those, and a core, according to this, will make minimal changes. You know how people always say that. It's weird. You know, none of this came up in my feed, in my in my... Uh, huh. Media feeds. Somebody told me about this um, a long time ago, huh. uh, several months ago. Okay. Um, in in terms of cooking with class and you know getting donations and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they knew this was going on, but I but I hadn't seen anywhere. Well, now you can go for a pound of coffee for every registered guest of Cooking with Class. Yeah, actually, somebody is doing that for us. Or maybe eight ounces. Yeah, it's not a pound. A sampler pack. A sampler pack. Um, stuff happening in Walla Walla. The Fat Duck Inn in downtown got new owners in December, this past December, and over the winter they refreshed the interior. And now they, when the weather got nicer, they started working outside. So that's that's you know a new fun place to go check out. Have I eaten at the Fat Duck Inn? No, I and it's a, it's a like a B and B. Oh, okay. You're thinking of Fat Duck on Orcas or San Juan Island, I think. Mm. Maybe There's fat ducks everywhere. There's just fat ducks everywhere, and if you eat at Shug's, you're going to be a fat duck. You're going to be a fat. But it's good. <laughs> if you go to Pono Ranch, go to Shug's, and then you <laughs> yeah. then go you're to your doctor duck. and get qualified as a fat duck. <laughs> um, also, downtown Walla Walla, the restaurant T Macarons, which is now simply known as T Max. I think they gave up because that's what everybody always called it. Mm-hmm. They're moving to a new showroom on Colville and Rose Street. So it's a new building that's going in. There's going to be other eateries, tasting rooms, markets, tech, home textile stores, boutiques. They're going in there, and they're going to, you will laugh at this, increase their bar capacity by 300%. Now, I think their bar only sat three people or something. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So but, now it's um, going to be uh, 12. Yeah. And they they acted like uh, the thing I was reading this and acted like you know what a big step moving from a famous location and it's like ah, I think it's a better location and if if their uh, customers are that loyal you know I think that know. is where there was a car dealer and they must have maybe mowed that down and put a big building in yeah we'll have to go back to Walla Walla soon and well, take a look I'll be there in June well I got to tell you you know we had dinner at T Max one night. And uh, we were not impressed with the service. Mm-mm. And so uh, there again, maybe they can get that fixed up. Maybe they have already mm-hmm. fixed it up. We haven't you know, been there for a while. I think y- you and my mom and her friend and I went there after that incident. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't um, 
mean service like it was when we were there before, but it was really slow. It wasn't yeah. a good service again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, by now, everyone's heard this little piece of news, but Chef Brady Williams of Canlis brought home the Best Chef in the Northwest Award from the James Beard Foundation. Somebody had to bring it home. Somebody. I know. Well, some they have <laughs> you know regional things like the Northwest, so somebody does bring it home. But So when does Brady Williams get his own TV show? Oh, I hope he's too busy for that. He's probably too busy on social media to be on TV. Mm, okay. Um, another big item on for those of us who live on Queen Anne and anyone who loves Eden Hill – the restaurant up there, um, the Cupcake Royale lease. Um, well, actually, it wasn't up, but she just wanted out, and so he is taking over the lease. Chef Maximilian Petty of Eden Hill is taking over that, he and his wife, and they are going to put in a more casual spot that also includes a market. So um, our friend Ronald Holden texted me and said, this kind of market thing never works. And then I yeah. I read again, and it was like, no, it's a casual restaurant with a little market inside. So it may be a little different than what he was thinking. And you know that space was a pasta and company before it was the Cupcake, cupcake Royale. Yeah. And so that little market in there, that never worked either. Was that, or was it where Three Birds went in? Mm, no. It was, was it, it was on the right corner next, right there? Yeah, right there okay. on the corner. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so we'll see, but I, I had to laugh because he, his idea came from walking around with his kid on Queen Anne, and his kid wanted french fries, and he wanted a cocktail. So that's what he's putting in. Should have gone to the Paragon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you had to open up a new restaurant, but it was right there. I'm surprised you missed that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now, um, we've talked before about Batch 206 Distillery. I did a story on, one, on them one time. It's really kind of a cool place. Mm-hmm. And they some time ago, started having food in there. So for a while, it was Windy City Pie. Now, they moved out, and they've got a place on Greenwood Avenue. And where is that on Greenwood Avenue? It is, um, you know where Chaco Canyon is? Yep. Other side of the street and further south. Oh. Yeah. Down by the Greek place or something like that. It's more out of the out of the kind of main drag. It's, it's further south. Mm-hmm. So... Um, but anyway, then Oki's Tex-Mex went in not all that long ago. Now they've decided I to go food truck that. only. We talked about it on News Bites one time here on the podcast, what? but it's, it's not been very long ago. How um, did I miss Tex-Mex in my neighborhood? I know it. Man, I, I must be hanging around with Chef Max <laughs> with my blindfolds on. <laughs> yeah, your kid wanted kibble, and you <laughs> wanted something else. Um, so now Addo 206, A-D-D-O, has taken over, and it's Chef Eric Rivera. He's done a bunch of stuff. He used to work at uh, Blue Acre, I think, and then he he got on TV or or some kind of chef thing. I don't know. I, I haven't followed him, but he's been around. Anyway, he's doing Puerto Rican foods. Mm. So I'm sending Bettina down. Bettina's a friend of ours who does marketing, and she's Puerto Rican. Ah, so I'm okay. sending her down to check on the authenticity. Yep. Um, and now Phoenicia, you will be pleased to see this. It's coming back. It's gone from Alki, but they're going into the former Alchemy space in West Seattle on 42nd Southwest. And we never got to Alchemy because they closed really fast. Actually, <laughs> I got there. I went up there and tried it out. I did a story on them, um, which, you know, don't even bother to try to find in the archives because they're gone. Well, I might want to go to Phoenicia again. I know. Try it out. Yeah. 
I went with some friends before they closed on Alki, before we knew they were closing on Alki, and it was pretty good. I had a really good shrimp scampi there way mm. back around maybe 1998. Wow. So maybe I can send them over a load of wild-caught shrimp and have them make me nice shrimp scampi. <laughs> yeah. It's like a bring-your-own-bottle, you know. I'll send them over the organic ghee and all the important <laughs> stuff. That goes you know, there that. should be. This should be a part of – here's another way we can make a million dollars. This should be part of every restaurant, like corkage fees. You you can have a discounted rate for those who bring on, in their own raw ingredient. So you can bring in your <laughs> yeah, grass-fed beef. Can you imagine the – Hysteria that w- that would be caused by the FDA. Oh well, everybody's yeah, bringing their own know, food in. Chef's not going to know how to cook an organic steak right away. Yeah, you know, if, if I bring it in, so yeah, no, it's not going to happen. All right, um, Sansei, the sushi place down by the Paramount Theater, closed abruptly in early May, and Dozone is going into that space. Can't so. wait for some of that Dozone. Yeah, I've eaten at the one in Redmond. It was not wowed, but you know. Might have to try it. Um, and Dunham Cellars has come out with a new wine. It's a Sauvignon Blanc. It's nothing unusual, but it's new for them, which yeah, I think is kind of fun. Them. Yeah. So, and also, they are donating that some of that wine to Cooking with Class oh, this that's year. that's nice. So that's kind of going to be fun for our people. So we're to, get to taste that. Yeah. I hope it's not too grassy for you. I you, know. You don't like that grassy. You do not like grassy Sauvignon Blanc. You yeah. do not like it. You like grass-fed beef, but you don't like grass-fed Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> There's always a catch to me. I think this nut, this next one, you should pronounce this name. Yeah, that's why I don't actually do these anymore. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say this right. Darav Agarwal. Yeah, something like D H R U V is the first name, and Agarwal I think is correct. He owns the Fremont Foundry and the Boat Scansonia, which are event menu- venues. And he has purchased both the property and the business, The Ruins, on Lower Queen Anne. This was always a private dining club, and it was really unusual and cool. And once in a while, they'd have fundraisers there. That's how I ever was inside. It's, it was really cool. Mm-hmm. So he's going to keep it as a private dining club, but also use it as another event venue. So um, I'm really happy to know that's staying on Queen Anne. Yeah. And then Poroshki Poroshki has added four vegan Poroshkis. And so, they're changing their name. They're going to call it Poroski, 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 Poroski. <laughs> Poroski, Poroski, because there's In four. order to celebrate the four new vegan Poroskis. <laughs> I don't know why people don't pay us for these great ideas, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Just, you can hire our PR company anytime you need us. <laughs> exactly. All right. Let's take a little break and uh, lots of stuff going on on the calendar. And we're going to give you the highlights when we get back. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Swiftwater Cellars, a Northwest winery destination in Clee Ellum, celebrating locally inspired menus and beautiful surroundings. Now also open in Bellevue. Find them at SwiftwaterCellars.com and SwiftwaterCellarsBellevue.com. This is JP. I'm from Lake City. And one of my favorite places to eat is Cafe Lago. Hi, this is Laura from Kestrel Winery in Woodinville in the Warehouse District, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show.
We are back on the Seattle Dining Show. We've got the calendar all lined up here for you. And we just want you to know that um, there's always new items coming on all the time at the calendar. So you can just go online to seattledining.com, click on the calendar link, and see the latest and find out where it's the greatest. <laughs> so what do we got going on this month here? Let's see. Right, right away. Jump on this, people. Saturday, June 1st, 6 to 9 p.m. It's the Issaquah Wine Walk. $35, sip wine, enjoy fine art, music, and performance art. 12 wineries in 12 stores. So there's 12 wine stores in downtown Issaquah no, now? 12 retail stores. Oh. And they're bringing wine in. You know, they have a winery in their store for the evening. Oh, And you I can see. go in, poop around the store, check stuff out, look okay, at things. Okay, so it could and, be an art shop or something yeah, like that. Because yeah. they have a lot of good art shops down yeah, there. Exactly. Okay. And I, and you ever notice how it's always a wine walk and not a wine run? Yeah, I think it should be the wine crawl. Yeah. No, we don't want people doing that to themselves. <laughs> no, it was a joke. Okay. All right, if you missed that, zip out on Monday, June 3rd at 6.30 p.m. There's a beauty wine dinner at Serafina and Chiquetti. It's $100 per person plus tax and grat. Five-course menu featuring Italian and Pacific Northwest-influenced dishes highlighting Beauty's wines. Uh, one example is Be- Beauty's Morved with hand-rolled pisi, which is a pasta, English pea, morel frito, black truffle, and ricotta. Morel frito? Yeah, fried morels. Wow. Can I get the, the, like, a, like the frito yeah, stuffed, style of it's, frito? It's morels morel. hollowed out with fritos stuffed in them. Really, really good because you get the nice softness of the mushroom and then the crunch of the Frito inside. Mm. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> I just um, made a dish yesterday for some friends and used some morels. It called for spring mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I, I love morels. I'm going to do a whole bunch of those. And I needed a pound of mushrooms. A yeah. pound of morels right now is thirty nine ninety nine. Wow. And when I checked out, he said, do you know how much these are? And I said, yeah, thirty nine ninety nine. That's why I only bought five of them. And he said, yeah, you know, that's actually a pretty good price. Sometimes they're up to 49 or 59 Yeah. Oh, you know what? That reminds me, because we didn't have it on the list here to talk about, but I do want to talk about this sham on the Copper River salmon. Oh, yeah. That was horrible. Yeah, $49 a pound, $59 a pound. That was just horrible. Horrendous. And you know, I know people say that because of the way the fish struggle and they build their muscle up and they and it they store a lot of their strength as oil. Well, let me finish. Um, That's why they taste so good. But honestly, I have heard over and over again from people who know that the whole Copper River salmon thing is a brilliant marketing plan. I mean, I'll agree. The fish does taste good, but you didn't pay any more to get it. You know. Yeah. So why are you selling it for 49 bucks a pound? Because they can. Well, it became a one-percenter type of yeah, food. Yeah, And that's not right, you know? Uh-huh. It's just not right. And I, I, any store that was selling it up at that price should have just told those fishermen that were jacking the price up to them, come see me next week when the stuff, you know, yeah. get me before it starts to rot. <laughs> Because <laughs> nice. we're not going to do this to our customers. No. We can make a lot of money, but you know what? It's a, it's a short-term thing, and it leaves a black mark on yeah. your store with but your you know customer. What? Everything you're saying, short-term thing, that's why people jack up the prices. It's just like there's an event in town, so all the hotel rooms are suddenly double. 
you know, the price. Well, then I think some really rich guy in the neighborhood should buy it all up and take it out and hand it out to all the people that are tent camping under the freeway. No, we don't want to encourage more tent camping. Then all the people who want (laughs) Copper River will put their tents up there. (laughs) Then you'll have, like, better quality tent neighborhoods than others. You don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. All right, Wednesday, June 5th, 5 to 7 p.m., it's called Unwind After Five on Waterways Cruises. Cocktails on the water, how good can it get? It includes a complimentary greet, greet drink, like, hello, have a drink. Um, $39 for a one-and-a-half-hour cruise on Lakes Union in Washington. That doesn't seem bad, you know, for a cruise. Yeah. Um, boarding begins at 5, departure at 6, return at 7.30. Small bites are available for purchase. This is not, you know, you, you pay for the cruise. You're, you're buying right. any drinks and and food, got a lot, use a lot of diesel fuel to get that boat around. Yeah. And, you know, we have been out there and done those kind of cruises, and it's lovely, especially in nice weather. I haven't and done one in a long time. It's been ages, but um, very fun. Yeah. Then that same day, 6.30 to 10.30 p.m., there's a Fortuity Cellars Winemakers Dinner at Casper's in Magnolia. It's $79. It says it excludes tax. tax. I can't even read my own typing. Um, with your final uh, cost is one hundred and two seventy eight, so I'm assuming that's tip and tax in there in that one hundred two seventy eight. Well, there's only one way to find out. You know what that is? Call them. You get on a you get on the waterways cruise, and you're going to go to Lake Union and Lake Washington. So what you do is when you get down to uh, oh, I see. No, that won't work. That won't work. I thought you're going to go to the ship canal, and you could jump off at the ship canal. But. <laughs> And then go over to Casper's. And check it out. And if it's really good, stay. He's also doing a five-course menu. It's a house charcuterie platter, hot and sour Dungeness crab soup, crispy pork belly and nettle risotto, Cornish hen and rhubarb clafouti, and then wine pairings with each course. So honestly, with the wine pairings and everything at 102, that's a pretty good deal. Well, and it's Casper's cooking. He knows how to cook. Yeah. And, you know, if it's Casper, I trust that he will... Uh, mill those nettles down yeah. well enough that There'll, they won't get stuck in your throat on the way down. There'll be no stinging nettles, no. <laughs> uh, let's see. We've got another wine walk, but this one is Saturday, June 8th, 5 to 8.30, and it's the Bothell Summer Wine, Beer, and Spirits Walk. So that's $25 advanced tickets, and that ends pretty soon, I think, and then $30 at the door. 12 wineries, 4 breweries, 6 distilleries, and 2 cideries. And you just stroll along Bothell's Main Street and into the shops, have a little taste of things, and straggle on. Get your dinner over at Revolve while you're at it. Yes, exactly. That's a good thing. Have a nice, clean dinner. And they have more wine there. And a full bar, so yeah. you don't have to quit. And if it's really busy, they might open up the downstairs and put more people down there. Yeah, if they don't have a wine dinner going on. If or it something. gets really busy, they'll open up the, the uh, chiropractic building <laughs> upstairs, and you can sit on uh, couches up there. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be great? Do an adjustment, and then give me my vodka. Uh, Thursday, Saturday, June 13th. Thursday through Saturday, the 13th through the 15th of June, it's the 7th Annual Celebrate Walla Walla Valley Wine event. All these tickets are a la carte, so you just create your own experience and price, so I can't tell you it's going to cost a certain amount. It's social and educational wine festivities with Walla Walla wineries, guest winemakers from the world's leading wine regions, and I love this, esteemed 
speakers. Mm-hmm. Nobody you don't care about. They're all people you want to hear. They're all esteemed. And then there are some rare vintage tastings, some intimate winemaker dinners, and some wine panel presentations. So it's quite the thing. We've never done this. And it's the seventh annual. I don't know I've even heard of it before. But it's in Walla Walla, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, nowadays you can't tell, you know. You've got all these tasting rooms out here on the east yeah. side, and you're not sure if you're supposed to go. What, what if, what if like, you thought it was in, and then you, <laughs> you went to the other place? Yeah, you got a hotel in Walla Walla, and you're all excited to get over there, and it's like <laughs> and nothing's happening. What's going on in Woodenville. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Oops. I feel so silly. Uh, Friday, June 14th at 6 p.m., there's a Roti Cellars winemaker dinner at Coho Restaurant in Friday Harbor. So don't. So go to Friday go Harbor. To Friday Harbor. <laughs> it's $55 for the dinner per person and $45 per person for optional wine pairings. Sean Boyd, the winemaker for Roti, will be there. That should be fun. Oh, that's right. There is a Coho restaurant in uh, Redmond. Yeah, I'm not sure they're the same ownership because there's one in. Issaquah. That's the same one as the one in Redmond. Yeah, I don't think, I don't know that Friday Harbor is the same owner. I don't honestly know either mm. way. And then Saturday, June 15th, from 1 to 4, Serafina and Cicchetti is doing their annual retail wine sale and tasting. So there's no cost to go, I don't believe. There's no reservations necessary. You can taste some of the finest whites and rosés and take your favorites home at good prices. Um, you can buy Cicchetti Bites between 1 and 3 p.m., and then Serafina will follow that with an exclusive Saturday happy hour from 4 to 6. So they, I don't think they normally do it off weekdays, do they? So it's kind of an unusual one for them. Hmm. And then isn't that Sunday is uh, Father's Day, isn't it? The 17th or 16th? Maybe by 16th this year, yeah. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. I know, you know where I'll be. It's typical, too. Yeah, you'll be with your son and grandson. I'll be with my son and my grandson. That's going to be so nice. I, I think this is typical, too. You know, last month we had like 85 news bites about Mother's Day. Not a single nothing one about, about Father's yeah, Day. They never, I guess dads don't care. Um, Thursday, June 20th. You're going to have to call for the time because I couldn't find it anywhere. But Fish Without Flame, it's their fresh catch class at Palisade. It's seventy-five dollars, and you're going to have to also call to see if it includes tax and grat. They're not—they're not good on full information. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had to call them because their emails had conflicting information about what it was about. So they—they they don't have that part down yet. But um, you learn to expertly craft poke and ceviche. So. I don't know. I've I've watched them cut up poke before. Mm-hmm. I th- I thought that they just sort of sliced it. Is there something expert that they do? Well, poke is cubed. Pretty oh, much. that's right. I'm ceviche. thinking of sashimi. Yeah, and ceviche is cooking without flame. Basically, it's the lime juice and things that actually sort yeah, of cook how they the marinate fish. it. Yeah, so it's two very different things and cut very differently. So, and you don't, you know. Everybody does a slightly different poke from each other, and people have a million recipes for ceviche, so this is going to be like one take on that. So my last little entry for June is the 20th. It's a Thursday at 6 p.m. It's the Guest Chef Series at Eritage Resort, Walla Walla. So don't go to Woodenville. Go to Walla Walla. And, you know, it's fire and vine, so let me just say it's $150 for the dinner and $75 for the wine pairing, plus tax and grad. But you know it's going to be good. 
cocktails and appetizers, dinner, cigars and spirits around the fire. Wow. And this is an interesting uh, series they're doing. We're talking just about the June one right now, but what they're doing is they're gathering a bunch of chefs to do different chefs and different wineries to do each one in the series. Oh, wow. So June is a six-course menu um, celebrating the region's seasonal bounty. It's going to be created by Jamie Gurren of White House Crawford, Will Gordon of Bounty Kitchen, Kevin Benner of Aqua by El Gaucho, and Jason Wilson of Fire and Vine. And then... Brian Price of Heritage Resort. The winemaker for the evening is going to be Jean-Francois Pellet of Pepperbridge Winery. So you got a lot of high-powered people there. Yeah, that's, that's a big deal. It's going to be really good. And you should stay at the resort while you're there, too. Yeah. And when I'm going next month, I'm going to have dinner at Heritage, so I'm very excited mm-hmm. about that. And also Walla Walla Steak, Steakhouse, Steak Company. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have some things to discuss Yeah. when I get back. Yeah, we know we we already know half the uh, show for July. Yeah, I love it when it's this easy. <laughs> All right, well, hey, it's uh, it's grilling season, and uh, Connie has done a fantastic job of amassing some tips and tricks for making your grilling go in the right direction. We'll get to that right after this break. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by. Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hi, this is Nathan Decker from Zillow, Washington. If you're ever in the area, you should stop by El Porton, located uh, at the exit in Zilla. It's a great Mexican restaurant. I'm Ann Peavy with Visit Seattle. You're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. back on the Seattle Dining Show. It is June, and it is barbecue season. Yeah. Mm-mm. It, frankly, you come around my house in the winter, I'll be running that barbecue just like I do in the summer. But I actually find myself highly amused when I see you out on the deck at like 7.30 in the morning because you're barbecuing sausages for breakfast. Yeah, and it's snowing. Yeah. Yeah, that's barbecue <laughs> season, folks. <laughs> Uh, but uh, anyway, so we've got a, a list of about 16 tips that we're going to run through here. Um, we're going to start with this one about if you're using a rub to spread it evenly on the meat, all sides, and put it back in the refrigerator, the meat I mean, uh, <laughs> for several hours to allow the rub to penetrate the, beef, the yeah. meat. I thought that was interesting because I guess I would have thought – not refrigerating, that room temperature might have made it penetrate more. So it's kind of nice to know because it's certainly safer to keep it in the refrigerator. I think that this probably holds true for uh, beef and chicken. Mm-hmm. Uh, fish, I don't think I would like store that several hours in the fridge with a rub on it because you can really break down fish proteins. They're different from, from beef and chicken. I, I learned that the hard way. Man, was that mushy. Yeah, you don't want to do that fish. with fish. Yeah. But uh, And I would also say, I'm going to add something to this one, um, I've had a lot of fun making my own rubs. Yeah. Lately. And you yeah. can get some cookbooks that have them. Um, 
You can find them all over the place online, and you can just come up with your rub. You know, classic American rub is kind of equal parts uh, brown sugar, paprika, salt, and then a little bit of pepper. And uh, you'd be surprised at how much nicer that goes on than some of these rubs you buy in a tub that have preservatives in them mm-hmm. because they're going to be hanging around yeah. in your pantry. They need shelf life. Yeah, so this is a – if you've not done it before, make your own rub. Yeah. See how it goes. I love it. The other thing um, – and I, I did this years ago and then I got out of it and I'm bad at it now. You're really good at it. You'll – Learn something by reading a book. You know, you'll find a rub in mm-hmm. a book. And when you feel like you get why that works, then you make it your own. Yeah. Like you may like a certain flavor or with this particular dinner, I'd like to put a little something else in. And, of course, we know that sugars caramelize. So if you want a little caramelization on something, you can add a little brown sugar or, you know, there's a, a lot of ways that you can just make it work for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. Another thing that um, I think maybe the first time I heard about it was a number of years ago from Wayne Johnson, and he gave us a chef's kitchen tip about brining chicken. And mm-hmm. I was like, whatever, you know, I, that seems like a lot of extra work, blah, blah, blah. And now we brine all the time, and you got really big into it, I don't know, a few years ago. And it makes such a difference. I've been brining all my pork lately, too. Yeah. So I'll brine it for either overnight or at least two or three hours. And then I'll take it out of the brine and put the rub on it and stick it back in the fridge. Yeah. And I'm getting some of the best ribs on my little Weber barbecue yeah, out there. I know. And it just, especially with chicken for me, it's like, I don't want to say velvet because that sounds terrible to put in your mouth, but it's just so tender mm-hmm. and moist. I don't know. It's Brining is really don't a great end thing. end up needing a toothpick when you're done. And yeah. Just, it just delicious you know what it does is it helps keep the moisture in the meat and that's one of the goals when you're barbecuing is you want to retain as much of the moisture whether it's beef chicken pork even fish uh if it's sausages you want to retain the moisture because you could dry those puppies out so um there's there's uh and 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 actually you know we're going to talk here about about carcinogens and uh when the meat dries out uh, then it's more susceptible to what they call the HCAs. We'll talk about yeah. that in a moment. Yeah. We'll talk about thermometers. Your favorite subject. So if your grill doesn't have a temperature gauge, uh, you want to use a digital thermometer, kind of the laser one that you can point at the grill. Please don't torture your animals with those. <laughs> um, and you, you sh- everybody should have one of these. Um, because you're going to get more accurate readings off of those than you're yeah. actually going to get off most of the gauges that are on barbecues. And the older your barbecue gets, the, the older yeah. the thermometer there gets. Uh, it's not really that accurate of a thing, I found. Yeah. Um, the other uh, digital thermometers that you should have around is just the type that you uh, poke into the meat. And also uh, the kind that you insert in the meat and then put the meat in, and you can watch the temperature go up as you're cooking the meat without having to open up the door. Yeah. That's really nice because especially on the barbecues, the small whippers we have, you just lose that heat instantly, and it takes a right. while. To, it takes a while for it to build it yeah, back up. Yeah. Um, always oil the grill before you put your meat on it and, and oil the meat. Yep. And that really 
really helps too. You don't have the sticking problem so much, and it keeps that moisture in. Yeah, it makes the cleanup a lot easier. Yeah, later. yeah. Uh, gas versus charcoal. Um, well, some of us can't use charcoal, like me, because yeah. I live in a condominium, and uh, that is not allowed by Seattle city law. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't miss using charcoal, and <clears throat> we know that charcoal emits more carbon monoxide, particulate matter, and soot into the air, so I don't need to add to that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm doing fine with the gas. I'm, I'm, yeah. In fact, I'm slow cooking on that little Weber with uh, with the small size of propane, yeah. liquid propane, yeah, and getting away with it without having to change the canister while I'm out there doing a two-hour cook. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, another thing to do is preheat your grill. I don't know. They're saying 15 to 25 minutes, which seems like a long time to me because our, our Weber's go fast. Well, I don't think we'd have to do 25 minutes and you'd use a lot of gas up. That's true. And, and it's going to depend on the grill. And that's why that digital thermometer is important to have yeah. um, because you can be checking that. You can just aim it right at the hood. Mm. And see if you're getting good heat off of there. You can watch the one that's on the, yeah. the barbecue, too. But uh, as soon as you open up the door on that, you're going to lose a lot of heat out. Yeah. So uh, what you're doing by going to 15 minutes is you're, you're not only getting the heat inside, but you're getting the actual metal of the oh, barbecue hot. to uh, take some density of heat and hold it. Yeah. The other thing they mentioned is not only reaching that right temperature, but it will kill any bacteria. Mm-hmm. And that is a great thing because even if you kind of scrape it off after you use it, you should scrape it off again before you use it again. And, you know, there is going to be stuff there, so that will burn it away. Yep. Um, if it's properly heated also, it's going to sear the food on contact, and that creates improved fles- flavors due to that caramelization. Yes. Um, and that's what makes a mess of your grill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, I was looking at several resources, and one of them was Bon Appetit, and they said that about 90% of the time you want your grill as hot as possible. Well, I'm going to... You can disagree with I'm that? I'm going to disagree with that. It's going to be depending on what you're cooking. You know, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah, yeah. emancipate fish. Oh, that's what they're saying. That's why 90%. <laughs> if you're going to do, you know, chicken or beef or something, yeah, but fish isn't going to be like that. We talk about that later. Okay, so that... Yeah, so that's what Bon Appetit said, and then the USDA is saying to not excessively heat your grill. Hmm. So you've got two different things going on yeah. here. Um, I say <clears throat> if you're oiling your meat, you're going to help retain the moisture. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I prefer to go with a, a, a lower heat and cook it for a little longer as long as I know i got it sealed up real good. Yeah. So uh, everybody's got a different opinion. Yeah, and you just find your own, you know, experiment. But I like this one. Uh, after preheating the grill, open up the door, use a long-handled wire grill brush or a, on the grate and clean off the charred stuff from the prior use, which I probably would have done that already, but some of it is still there, and then yeah. when it heats up, it, it helps to break it up again. Yeah. Um, a very, very important we need to say is that when you're using these wire brushes, (coughs) you must be watching for if the bristles start to shred and you do not want to eat 
a wire brush uh, bristle because yeah. that is a really ugly time at the hospital when they finally find it in an x-ray and you couldn't figure out what's been wrong with you for three days yeah. and you got a wire bristle stuck in you somewhere. So if you notice your brush is starting to shred, dump it. Uh, I would also say don't buy the recommended brush that Amazon recommends. Oh, oh. You go buy a quality name like Weber. Because those people are going to sell you a quality brush that isn't going to shed. Uh, if you start buying the, the, these brands you've either A, never heard of, or you don't see a brand name, yeah. you're getting into the cheap stuff, and you're going to have a, a, a brush that's going to sh- yeah. shed a lot sooner. If the brand name is Brush, <laughs> get yeah. away. Yeah. Get okay. away. Finest brush. Who's <laughs> finest brush? Um. My next thing I want to bring up is something that I learned from you. I think you might have learned it from Stephen Reichlin or something. But you've been putting like a sprig of rosemary or other herb on the grill when you're cooking like a steak that you've marinated or something. And it adds so much flavor to that, whatever you're – it could be Mm -hmm. vegetables, anything. It just is such a – Wonderful. It's a nice smoke to put onto your yeah. meats. But the other thing I love about it is how it smells. Mm-hmm. You know how rosemary smells. And, it you smells know. great when it's cooking. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, what I'm learning with that is that you put that sprig of rosemary in an indirect yeah. area. So, if I've got a box of wood chips on the, on the grill, mm-hmm. then uh, I am going to put the rosemary on top of the box of the wood chips. So, they heat up and they and – they, but they don't completely burn up yeah. while they're in there. But it does put a nice flavor on the meat. Yeah. The other thing you did recently, which I would not have thought of doing, and it worked out really well, is some of your rosemary had died, and mm-hmm. you put a, a dead I did. dried piece of rosemary on it. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. And I and it makes sense. It's like wood chips. I mean, it's that's all dried I think wood. I think I have to kill a rosemary bush every year. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> All right, so um, even if you have a inexpensive small Weber barbecue like I have, you can smoke meats. Yeah. And the way you're going to do it is you're going to light it up at the lowest level and just let it warm up and use indirect grilling. So you can actually buy a little piece of uh, metal item that they sell at the hardware store uh, in the barbecue accessory section, and then you put your ribs up on top of that, or you put your sausages on top of that. You're not going to be getting grill marks. We're not going for grill marks with with, with the low and slow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and indirect is going to help to cook it on all sides. And uh, you got your wood chips in there, and after two hours, you, you have some really nice ribs. Mm. Really nice. We did it yesterday with ribs, and then we also put sausages in there. Oh, yeah. Uh, the trick I learned on the sausages, don't, don't put them in until about the last hour. Oh, okay. Because they, they, they dry out if they're in there too long. Yeah. They don't explode. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> you know, you can also smoke a brisket. And one of the things that I was reading about, and then I saw it on a Stephen Reichland show yesterday, saying the exact same thing, is that when the internal temperature hits about 150, the surface evaporation can cause the meat's internal temperature to plateau. So it's not actually a problem, and you can either wait it out. They call it the stall. You can either wait it out, or you can wrap the brisket tightly, and this is like a Kingsford 
charcoal who said this, tightly in two sheets of heavy aluminum foil with a half a cup of apple juice added and bring it back up to 225. Reichland says, wrap it in butcher paper so that you don't lose the crisp outside of the meat. Because if, if you've got um, foil around it, no air's getting in. Yeah. And so he also mentioned that there's butcher paper that is plasticized on one side, and you do not don't, want that. Don't put that in your barbecue. Yeah, don't use that. So, but that was interesting that there is a thing called the stall. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, let's see. Uh, our friends at the uh, USDA have a couple of tips for us. Uh, some of these, if you're a regular person in the kitchen, um, you, know, you know these, but um, this is for the folks who are going to finally start eating at home and stop ordering all that food to go. <laughs> um, so use separate cutting boards when you're working with your veggies on one and then your meats on another, that sort of thing. Uh, use separate utensils or be cleaning as you go. So don't mm-hmm. go cut up a bunch of meat and then cut up a bunch of veggies. Don't do that. Wash up that knife. Because I only have a couple knives that I like to use at home, so I'm constantly washing stuff mm-hmm. in between. Uh, separate platters for raw and cooked food uh, so that you avoid cross-contamination. Never baste with the marinating liquid. So if you make a marinade, like I like to make a marinade and put my red meat in there for sometimes 8 to 12 hours. Uh, but you don't, you don't marinate with that later on the grill. If you want to make some separate liquid, uh, you could do that and just put it aside before you start marinating right. the meat. Uh, and then that way you can brush that clean marinade on while you're cooking the meat. Yeah, exactly. And then grilling meat like poultry, red meat, and fish, we talked about this a little bit earlier, it can form carcinogenic HCAs, and it's heterocyclic amines or something. Um, But one of the things that reduces that is marinating meat. Mm -hmm. So beyond tenderizing, there's a health reason to to do this. It can reduce HCA formation by 92 to 99%. And that's a lot. That's a lot. That's almost everything. And mm-hmm. the way we love to barbecue, if every time you're grilling meat, you're creating that carcinogenetic thing that you're internalizing, that's really bad. So the fact that we marinate all the time and, and brining, I would imagine, helps that too. So it's really an important step. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bypass that. Yep. Yep. We want to keep those carcinogens out so that we stay out of Fred Hutch. Um, once your meat's grilled and removed from the barbecue, your, your meat, particularly your red meat, is going to continue to cook. It'll usually go, so if I pull a steak off at 135, uh, it's going to go to 140 at least while it's off the grill. And you can know that because you could keep that, that one thermometer that you, yeah. you put in there while you had it on the grill and you knew to pull it. You just leave it in, and you can watch it go up. You can do this with prime rib. You can do it, you know, chicken not so much so, but the way that uh, beef proteins are, they continue to cook after they're pulled. Yeah. Um, once you get the meat off and you're resting it and it's off the grill, you can tent with foil for about 10 minutes before carving. And the big deal about doing this is that it allows the juices to redistribute evenly. If you cut it immediately, the, the juice just comes out. It's all over your cutting board, and, and it's yeah, delicious. Do so, you know, you want to 
You want it to just be want to cover it over. Yeah, and, and it is going to release some moisture. Yeah. So what I do when I make us a steak is I put it onto the plate and then I tent it for a little bit. And when I pull it off, it's in a pool of its own moisture. Mm-hmm. So then I'll usually cut that steak in half because you get half and I get half. I mm-hmm. usually buy a one-pound steak. And then uh, I pour those juices over the top. Yeah, Yum. so delicious. We should uh, never do this podcast right before lunch. <laughs> uh, let's see here. I'm going to throw one in here that's not on our list. Okay. And that is to know your chips. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love smoking with wood chips, and there's typically five different kinds you can smoke with. I might be able to say them off the top of my head. Hickory, mesquite. Pecan. Pecan, walnut, and I don't know, one more. But anyways, um, I have all five here at the house. Oh, wow. And I made myself a grid so that it tells me which goes with the best kind of protein. Oh. So, like, the hickory is the one that kind of encompasses all the different proteins. If you were going to have one type of wood chip at home, you would want to have the hickory. Okay. Uh, the mesquite's going to be better on your red meats. Uh, you can do it on your chickens, but it's not going to be a good one for things like fish. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyways, uh, I should probably publish that grid yeah. and, and do a little article. Maybe I'll get that done for the next issue yeah, or something. that would be great. That would be um, helpful. And uh, and and there's different ways to do wood chips. You can you can buy a smoking box, and that's fine. You want to soak them for about a half hour before you use them, and then uh, you put them in the smoking box. Now sometimes there's not enough room when I'm cooking for the smoking box inside. I got too yeah. much meat in there already. Like if I'm doing a whole chicken, yeah. Then uh, what you want to do is just take tin foil and pour your your cup of wet chips into that. Close it up and pop holes in it, and it'll do a nice job smoking all those meats while it's in there next to your protein. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, let's talk for a minute about cooking fish. Um, The first thing is it's really important to have a clean and hot grate that's been well-oiled because fish will stick probably worse than anything else. Mm -hmm. And, And fish isn't so tough. So if it sticks, you've probably ruined the look of it for sure, and and you may not get much of anything out of it. The other way to avoid sticking is to place the fillet skin side down first and get a good sear on it. And then when you go to turn it, use a wide spatula or even two spatulas facing each other and kind of roll the fillet over as opposed to just flipping it like a piece of meat. So let me get this straight now. What kind of fish are we talking about? Are we talking about a fish with a skin on it or like yeah. a halibut steak? Yeah, that's what I just said, skin side down. Okay. So, so, if, so if third, it has skin. The third way to do that is to put some tinfoil on the grill. Yeah. And cook it on the grill. And in fact, never turn it. Oh. Just let it let it get to its proper temperature. Because you're doing indirect grilling once yeah. you've done that anyway. You're not searing. So. so you're not yeah, you're not searing anything yeah. and you got a really easy cleanup when you're yeah. all done too. Yeah. And you don't you don't risk that chance of having that skin tear on the grill. Yeah. Which almost always happens. Yeah. Also, you can buy those uh, fish boxes. You know, they're metal things with a handle oh, yeah. on it. You can just flip it over. That would be good, yeah. So you Haven't can tried that. one of those before. Um, I had one. Oh, yeah, and you talked about using the two spatulas, and I yeah. just want to remind people, if you're working with metal parts like a grill, use a metal spatula. Don't yeah. be putting no Teflon onto yeah. a metal grill or yeah. vice versa. <laughs> you like putting putting a steel spatula on a Teflon grill? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> 
This one I thought was interesting as a tip. If you have a very delicate thin fillet, lay some slices of lemon or orange on the grill first and put the fillet on that. Yeah. And the other thing you could do is if you're going to use that fish rack, yeah. put some lemon slices on the top part. Yeah. And then when you flip it, they'll be there yeah. doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, that Because be you probably burned up that first round of lemon slices that were already on the grill by the time you get ready to flip it. Yeah. Oh, so. definitely. Yeah. But it would be easier to flip because you'd be flipping under those slices. Mm-hmm. Or you could put the slices on both sides when you put it into the fish rack. Yeah. Got to get a fish rack. <laughs> Note to know self. what's next. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's talk about veggies. Um, got all kinds of ways you can do your veggies on the grill um but it's recommended here that you do them at medium heat so you see we've got all kinds of heat things going yeah. on uh well i would probably be doing my protein at medium so i can do them together on yeah, the grill that would work um i sometimes like to put all the veggies into some tin foil and then maybe put some herbs and stuff and some garlic and some oil and toss them all around in that and pour them into the tin foil, wrap them up, and cook them on the grill. Mm-hmm. That's one way to do it. Uh, if you're doing uh, the asparagus, you're going to want to kind of do a flash boil on that asparagus first to loosen it up and then go and cook it on the grill. Mm. But you have to be careful doing that so you don't overdue right we're only talking what is it 60 seconds maximum for that asparagus in the boiling water just to to loosen it up uh broccolini not my favorite but it's it's so good though uh it's good charred a little and flipped once take off take it off the grill season it with olive oil lemon juice and sea salt Mm, mm, mm. and this is an interesting one i've never done this before you take a romaine lettuce split it lengthwise leaving the core intact because it keeps the leaves together. Brush it with olive oil and salt and then grill it. Flip it over once, remove it, and serve it with a dressing like a ranch-style dressing. Yeah, and they said green goddess, too, if they wanted to do that. But I've seen it in restaurants, grilled romaine, but I've never tried it at home. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I really like like, uh, when they flash fry lettuce and it's real crunchy and crispy. Oh, yeah. Mm. I like that. Basil leaves. Mm-mm-mm. So, hey, that's our... Uh, that's our summer grilling tips. our summer grilling tips. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we've got some other tips and tricks. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... B&E Meats and Seafood, your neighborhood butcher with four locations to serve you in Des Moines, Burien, Newcastle, and the top of Queen Anne Hill. Unique products, great meats, the freshest seafood, and a knowledgeable, friendly staff make shopping at B&E Meats and Seafood the best choice. Hi, my name is Christina, and I live in Redmond, Washington. One of my favorite places to go in Seattle is La Toulouse Petite, and it's so amazing for Cajun. It's just amazing, and they have tapas and drinks, and you can be there for hours, and it's amazing. This is John Langley, food and beverage director at the Sound Hotel and Current Bistro in Belltown, and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show.
You are back with the Seattle Dining Show and Tom Marin and myself, Connie Adams, and we're just about to sign off for June. But as you know, we like to leave you with some tips before we go. Um, mine this time is that it's June and it's the season for parties. It's graduation, Father's Day, weddings. So go all out and think about arranging a tasting dinner with a notable chef on a slow night. Determine your budget in advance, and they can work around it. Some places may have a private table or a smaller room or a larger room if you've got a big group. But it's very fun to make it your own and work with the chef and talk about what you'd like to have and do something very special. Um, my budget's really tight, so I went up to Dick's and I asked them if they'd do it for me out on one of the little patio benches oh, they had, but they, they said no. Oh, thank God. I thought this was my birthday present for a minute. (laughs) Well, you had to wait a while for that. (laughs) All right. Well, my tip is if you're working with garlic in the kitchen, um, you've no doubt had the annoyance of getting garlic on your fingers and not uh, being able to lose it for a few days. So I'm going to tell you you how to lose it fast. And it's real simple. Uh, pretty much everybody in their kitchen has something with a brushed aluminum. And so uh, all you got to do is to rub your fingers across that brushed aluminum back and forth a couple times. It might be your faucet. It might be the, the dish cleaner you have in the sink. But uh, uh, the brushed aluminum, brushed stainless, and uh, that will take the odor away immediately. That's cool. like that. All right. That's it for June. It's time to wrap up. Thanks for joining us on the show. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. You can just visit seattledining.com and click on subscribe free. All right. We want you to uh, dine out often, and we want you to learn to cook and eat healthy at home, too. We'll see you back here in July. Bye. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music, of Fremont icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Doghouse, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine, online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the seattle dining show